Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We're in the middle of the series, Hearing God. God can provide guidance for all important decisions, and the Bible provides much direction. But when was the last time you listened to God? Psalm 27 verse 8 says, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Today's episode, The Importance of Hearing God. Here's founding pastor, Perry Duggar. I was offered water and it choked me. (laughs) Everything you're offered is not always the cure to your problem. So be careful, beware. We are looking again at God speaking to us. And as that song saying, speak to me in the whisper of your love. You know, you may say, well, that's not how I hear from God at all. And that's quite all right, because every relationship has at least two parties. And so God has a personality, and you have a personality. So God doesn't speak to each of us in the same way. So as we continue in this series, hearing God, I want you to understand there's room for your way of hearing God. And so we're not trying to shoehorn everyone into the same approach or the same experience even. Today we focus on the importance of hearing God. That's the title of today's message. And our theme verse, you can take your program out. The outline has the theme verse at the top of it. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me from the 27th Psalm. So we're examining whether God speaks directly to us. And if he does, in what ways? I reviewed diverse ways that God communicates to different people in distinct situations. And I don't think, which if you're due to this church, and we have a lot of new people, we're delighted to have a lot of new people, But when I give you my opinion, you're not compelled to receive mine. Consider it, pray over it, study over it, discard it if you disagree with it. But I don't think God uses every means of conveying his message to every person. So some of the things I touched on last week may have never happened to you, and some of them possibly never will. The important point is that God communicates to you individually and personally. I think that God uses whatever method will be most effective to capture a particular person's attention. So that person will receive, will understand and will respond to the message. If you're a nature lover, God may speak to you through nature as you hike. If you're an artist, he may speak to you through a painting or through a song. I think that God speaks to you according to your situation and your personality. So it may vary. In fact, I think it will vary. You know, for many years... After coming to faith, even after a number of years in ministry, 
I thought God spoke only through the Bible. But in the time of a great personal struggle, I cried out for God to speak to me personally. How do you view me? What do you think about me? I came from a dysfunctional home with a, a distant and a very critical father. I think that you subconsciously put your father's face on God. So very often there'll be a similarity. So my father was critical, harsh, and distant. So my God was critical, harsh, and distant. But I didn't believe that's who he was. And it certainly wasn't who I needed him to be. And God spoke to me. He spoke to me directly. And he said, you are my son. And I'm very proud of you. And that has stuck with me in all the intervening years. And I may not get a detailed answer for every question I ask God, but he will always tell me what he thinks about me and who I am to him. You know, I do think that God's primary method of communication is the Bible. But when I say the Bible, I don't just mean this printed book, this book full of words. No, when I speak of the Bible as communicating from God, I'm speaking, and I do believe this book is true completely. But I'm talking about God speaking individually to you so that the Word of God is inspired. Originally, it was inspired, but it can be illuminated in an instance to each of us. And it can be applied individually to each person's situation by the Spirit. And that's when I refer to as the words jump off the page, but you know what I'm talking about. The Spirit brings a focus in, and you know this message is personal. It's for me individually. But why is it important to hear God personally? Several reasons I'll point out this morning. The first is that hearing from God personalizes my faith. John 5. You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the Scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Jesus was talking to Jewish teachers, and they knew the Scripture. The Pharisees had to memorize the first five books. They knew the Bible thoroughly. They studied it thoroughly. Do you think they respected it? Do you? Do you think they obeyed it? Somebody yell louder. There's a line somewhere in this room. Well, in this instance, the no's are wrong. The yeses are right. We're, you know, you say, but, but, he, but he called them hypocrites and, and yes. But they tried so diligently to obey. The problem was they were harsh to other people that didn't obey. And they created all their multiple rules of how to obey the law. But it wasn't they lacked the desire to obey. They did. So you think they tried to obey? <laughs> Good. Yes, they did. 
They did believe the, the, the Old Testament, the Torah. They did try to follow it. In fact, they, they wrote out hundreds of ways that you could keep the Ten Commandments. But they did not receive eternal life. In fact, they didn't think that a personal relationship with God was even possible. In fact, they considered familiarity with God as disrespectful, as blasphemous. That's what they put Jesus to death for because he said God was his father. But the problem, see, is it's not sufficient for us to know the Bible, for us to master theology, because we can't have a personal relationship with biblical principles. Yes, they're true, but we need to know a person, Jesus. You know, when I was practicing law and I had some friends and there were a couple of lawyers in the group and there was a couple of Bible teachers and we loved to argue the Bible and we, we knew it backwards and forwards and but you know what? There was not much of the character of Christ in the way we behaved. It really was arrogant. It was proud. And we enjoyed more winning an argument than we did reflecting Christ's character. Because here's the problem. You don't have a relationship that changes you with a book. You have it with a person. And it's in relationship with a person that we are changed. Marriage is a perfect example. We're not saved through facts. But listen to me closely. The gospel does include doctrinal information. The identity, the purpose, the function of Jesus coming are all true and they're all part of the gospel. But there's a dimension beyond embracing the facts. And that's stepping into a personal intimate relationship with Jesus. We're born again through personal interaction. You know, these, these men that Jesus were, was scolding in John, they knew the Bible. They weren't wrong about what it said. The problem was they didn't see him. They saw the Messiah, but they didn't see the one who was standing there, the one who was sent, and they certainly didn't come toward him. We're born again through a personal interaction with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us a new spiritual life and initiates a relationship with God that's ongoing, that's continual. When the Holy Spirit regenerates us, that's what being born again is. He remains within us, facilitating a vibrant, living, intimate relationship with God. Psalm 27. This was our theme verse, but this is the rest of it. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Has God called to you like that? just for conversation, sometimes to work out an issue, sometimes it's just for companionship. God invites us into that intimate conversation. 
And it's his continual presence in our minds and in our hearts that deepens our faith and sets us apart from people who are practicing religion. There are many people practicing religion sincerely. There are a lot of people practicing Christianity sincerely who've never entered a personal relationship with the Savior. I think that much complacency in our faith results from having no direct personal contact with God. Not hearing what he thinks or feels, including what he thinks and feels about you, about me. You see, we need to know that we matter to God. We need to understand that he knows us intimately because he wants to. And we belong to him. Galatians 4 verse 6. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father, it's like, it is like daddy. It's a familiar way to speak of God. Now you are no longer a slave. Just see, slaves obey and do what they're told. But you're God's child. Do you know that? Do you feel that? And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. See, that's our identity. What we're missing in our culture is an understanding of identity. We see a culture that has lost its mind. And it's people who, are, who, who have dysphoria. And dysphoria just means an ease, a, a, a sense of dissatisfaction with life. And we hear it most commonly today referring to gender, but it can refer to a lot of things. But it comes from not knowing who you are and not knowing who loves you. Nicole writes, When I was a little girl, I was raised in the church. Growing up, I always knew God and would have conversations with him like he was right next to me in person. When I was 17 years old, my dad passed away. I was angry at God. I asked him, why him? Why my dad? I cried and shouted. I felt so lost, I didn't know what to do. In his response, I heard a still small voice, clear as day, say, just as I protected you in foster care, and provided for you, then I will still do so. As I provided for you then, I will still do so. Just trust me and be still. You are my child, and I will never leave you. Ever since then, even now, no matter what, I will always trust God to take care of what I can't. 
See, when we don't know our Heavenly Father, when we're not known by Him, we're going to be confused about who we are. I mean, look at people today and in our culture that struggle with dysphoria, like I said, was dissatisfaction, but anxiety. And they search all these different directions trying to identify with someone or something in this world. You won't find out who you are through medications, through alcohol, through addictions, and you certainly won't through surgery. You're going to find out who you are in the one who created you, who knows you, and you'll find it nowhere else. I think it must be a sad day when people are going in today because they're being exploited by medical professionals taking medications, even subjecting themselves to surgery. And at the end of it, that, that deep anxiety, that sense of lostness, it's still there. It's still there. And confusion about our identity is at the core of, I think, just about all of our problems. We doubt our significance we become driven for acceptance, and we will do some really frightening things to be accepted by some. And we allow the wrong people to control us because we are so needful of their approval. Don't you see how damaged people will do almost anything for acceptance? And sometimes the people that are dangling acceptance are dangerous people. They're dangerous people. Hearing the voice of God telling us who we are, this means who we are to Him. And it secures our identity. You know, y'all, everybody park there. You must know who you are in Christ if you want to know how to live. When we know our identity, we know our value. We know our worth. We know our meaning. We know our purpose. And then our lives begin, become one of satisfaction and peace. A woman responded to the question, have you heard God speak? Yes, I heard him in my spirit. He said to me, I am your true father. You can forgive and let go of the pain. My earthly dad hurt me as a young girl. I thought I had worked through it, but I still had a heaviness. This happened here at Brookwood as Perry asked us to close our eyes and ask God to speak to us and to give all of us to him. It was so unexpected. I heard God and could not believe it. I cried tears of joy. The result was literally instant. The pain, the heaviness lifted from me. I forgave wholeheartedly, even when an, an I'm sorry never came. It was life-changing to me because I knew I meant so much to my beautiful heavenly Father that he took his precious time and attention to speak to me.
I know I am loved and I want to live to honor him. If you could see me now, tears of joy in my eyes again. Is your relationship with God personal, intimate, affirming? Would you like for it to be? Ask God what you mean to him. You know, in my experience, so this is my opinion, I think that's a, an, a question God will readily answer. Who am I to you? Do I matter to you? But I think you're not prepared to live until you know the answer to that question. Hearing from God also provides direction. As I said, and I keep repeating this because I want you to understand what I'm saying. The Bible is fully true, given fully inspired. Now, it wasn't given in English, of course, but it's inspired by God. But the Bible doesn't by itself provide specific direction for all our particular situations. And so the Spirit was given to us to take the Word and illuminate it, then apply it to our specific instances. The Spirit speaks to our individual circumstances and in response to our unique needs. Because your question may be, well, God, I'm about to get married. Should I marry this person? Or some of you may be in such demand, which one should I marry? (laughs) Which job should I take? Which house should I purchase? Which candidate should I hire? You may say, well, God doesn't care about those things. I think he does. You know, Leanne and I were playing with the boys and the little girl, our little girl. When the three-year-old says, hey, do you want to play with this, with the red truck or the blue truck? Do you think it matters to me which truck we play with? Do you? Yeah. (laughs) Because it matters to him which truck we have. You see what I'm saying? And everything that matters to you matters to God. How do I know? Because everything that matters to one of my grandchildren matters to me. Nothing is incidental because it's important to them. Psalm 32, verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. We need God's perspective and God's opinion on every decision of our lives. And if you think God is bored with you, you don't understand God. So take it back to you and and a grandchild. Everything about them matters. Well, everything about you matters as well. We honor and we please God when we ask for instruction how best to live our lives. Because he loves us and we belong to him, he he wants us to have lives that are productive. But when I say productive, I mean lives that produce peace, 
security, satisfaction, joy. As John says, to live the life that's truly life, to experience real freedom. But if we want his advice, we must decide that we will obey him as soon as we understand what he is saying. Otherwise, why should he answer? What about you? Do you like giving advice to people who you know won't take it? You say, why should I waste my breath? Well, God has that attitude toward us. James 1, 6 and 7 says he won't answer us if, if he knows we're wavering, we're unstable. A woman wrote to us. I was sitting in my living room and clearly heard a still small voice inside me say that I needed to contact my sister-in-law and ask for forgiveness for the way I have mistreated her over the years. It came out of nowhere, and I was compelled immediately to obey. I knew it was the Lord because it wasn't something I was thinking about, but the Holy Spirit illuminated my sin in the area in, in, the area in that moment. I was brought to my knees before the Lord in an instant. I was afraid of her reaction as we didn't have a very good relationship and there had been ill feelings toward each other for over 15 years. To my surprise and joy, she responded with immediate forgiveness and it has completely changed the dynamic with my husband's family. That simple act of obedience, even though I was afraid, has reconciled my husband with his brother and our extended family. She was so touched, she told others in the family that I apologized and asked for her forgiveness. The Lord was greatly glorified in this situation. From now on, when I hear that gentle voice inside, I immediately reply, Lord, I will do what you say. God cares about everything that concerns you. Well, Perry, why do you keep saying that? Because I don't know if we believe it yet. Because our behavior will change when we believe it. God readily offers guidance. See, we misunderstand God. We misunderstand his nature, his attitude toward us. If we think he enjoys confronting and correcting his children. That's a misunderstanding. I, I had that misapprehension for a number of years, the early years of my faith. I really thought God was watching me closely to see where I would mess up. It was wrong. It was a misapprehension. It was something that I believed that wasn't true, but it was something I had grown up with. God prefers to enjoy us, and he wants us to enjoy him. And he's not cruel. He doesn't want us to suffer for our mistakes. God isn't, isn't hoping he can teach you some lessons. God would rather we responded to his direction. But he loves us too much to let us waste our lives. To let us damage ourselves and harm others. Isaiah 30, 21. 
Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Sometimes when a person is running away from God, and I know we, we've, we've got a few that have spent some time running that are gathered here right now that, it, that have given up running away. But sometimes when a person runs away from God, he will block their path. A mother writes, my 17-year-old daughter was deeply under the spell of drugs, had run away, and was involved in criminal activities. Therapy, friends, family interventions, and self-education could not interrupt this deadly cycle. I heard through her friends that she was leaving in a few days for California, knowing she would be lost forever to me if she made it to the West Coast. I got on my knees that night and begged for God's help, explaining to him I had exhausted all human efforts to find and save her. I prayed for him to take this problem and tell me what to do. At 4 a.m., I was awakened by the knowledge of where she was at that precise moment. This is difficult to explain, but I just knew where she was, how to drive there, and who she was with. It was all planned out for me, and I knew exactly each step to take, this voice telling me what to do. A very long, complicated legal battle has resulted in a mature, successful health professional today, a productive member of society raising a family. Today, I cannot look at my daughter without seeing God as he most assuredly saved her. Has God rescued you out of a certain disaster? Has he sent you after someone that you love to prevent from damaging their own life? Hearing God speak also produces growth. Colossians chapter 1, 9 and 10. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. What a powerful passage. But, but you got to understand this. This doesn't mean that you just know some Bible verses. This is talking about revelation of his truth and when God reveals his truth it controls because we all know information that we don't follow out of the Bible isn't that true but when you're when something is revealed to you by the spirit it takes control grow in Greek oxano means to enlarge to increase and God grows our faith through experiences with his spirit, through hearing his voice or gathering other communication from him. But when God speaks, you see, he doesn't speak merely to inform. 
When God speaks to you, he speaks to change your life. His voice alters our nature. It's the knowledge of God. And when I speak of knowledge, again, you can tell I'm, I'm, I'm having to restate this because I'm not talking about mere facts and information. I'm talking about revelation, which is an experience of truth. That kind of knowing God is the means by which a believer grows. Knowing God doesn't mean gathering information. It refers to this experience of revelation by the Spirit. Is this confusing to you or is it clear? When God speaks to us by the Spirit, either directly, could be by impression, could be the voice within my head, could be from His Word, illuminated, he exposes and he corrects false beliefs. False beliefs that we hold about him, about ourselves, about this world. The Spirit's truth exposes lies we believe about ourselves. Some of you have been living according to those lies all your life. I don't matter, no one cares. I'll never accomplish anything, no matter how hard I try. And that voice keeps repeating itself. And that voice controls your behavior and your actions. But when God's Spirit speaks, He exposes that as a lie. And He replaces it with how He views you. And when God speaks, His truth will displace those lies. Now, the problem is it doesn't usually happen completely in one experience because you've been hearing that sound all your days. But when we see that we're a person of little value and that's the way we describe ourselves within our minds, it leads us into self-destruction. But when the Spirit speaks, He uncovers lies about yourself. He uncovers lies that you believe about God, lies about this world. He exposes what's at the core of why you mistrust God. Because there's a reason. There's an experience you've had. There's something you've come to believe about God that causes you to not be able to trust Him. Ask Him. Ask Him to show you. A young woman wrote, I had been dealing with self-harm addiction for seven years and wasn't sure I would ever be able to walk away from it. I felt like I needed to physically feel pain to have a sense of control when life felt very much out of control. During a summer camp in high school, I dropped my head and I told the Lord I knew I couldn't keep doing what I was. I sat in silence and felt the Lord whisper, trust me. After being reminded that I needed to trust the Lord in all areas of my life, including the areas I was most afraid to trust him with, I walked away from self-harm. 
I was able to stop leaning on myself for a sense of control and start trusting the one that was actually in control. Jesus bled for me so I didn't have to. There's been such a sense of peace, freedom, and sense of security since I laid my addiction at the feet of Jesus. Growth growth comes when we truly know Jesus Christ. Because it's only when we know him experientially that we can trust him with our lives. Then we can quit trying to control our lives. Any of you succeeded at controlling your lives? The harder you squeeze, the faster it runs out of your hands. We fail miserably at control. I mean, think about it. You, you, you aren't in control. I mean, we have a less than two-year-old grandchild, and she's about this big. I can't even control her. Most of the time, she doesn't like me even. I can hold her body. I can put her in the bed, but I can't get inside her mind. So why would we think we could control anybody's life, including our own? Only Christ can control our lives. When I know God personally, experientially, he becomes true to me. So I trust him. When I trust him, I will receive what he says. And it will change me. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you will listen for and follow the voice of God so that your life is led by his truth, not the world's lies, you will become the person that God saw you could be, the person God created you to become. Are you ready to become that person? Ask him to help. Ask him to show you the lies and tell you the truth. We continue this series for a couple of more weeks and we're still asking these questions. Has God spoken to you? Have you heard him speak? What did he say and what resulted? Submit your results to brookwoodchurch.org. Hearing God. Now, here's something, I made a mistake, one of many. As I've, as I've read these responses, and Laura has as well, I have been so encouraged by the depth of your understanding, the depth of your experience, um, the range of occurrences, your grasp of spiritual dynamics. And I can only read a few in a message. So I'd like to publish them, put them on site. We just would do it in-house for people here. But 
But if you turn in ones today, I'd like you to give me permission to use it however. Now, I didn't tell you this before. I didn't anticipate it. So if you have turned in a time that you heard God speak and you don't want it published in any form, then I want you to contact Laura. Either call her or contact her at laura.cato at brookwoodchurch.org. And you'll have to give some information, a little bit of description, and we will pull yours out because we would not embarrass anyone. We don't want to, and we're not going to publish names. We'll publish initials or a single initial. So if you're comfortable with us using what you've given, you don't need to do a thing. But if you would like yours pulled out, please contact Laura because, like I said, we don't want in any way to embarrass anyone. But we, I so, so desperately want the whole church to benefit from the stories from this church. You need to know more than my experience of faith. And we have such a rich a rich collection of people's experience with God. So I'd like to be able to offer that. Care volunteers will be here at the front and they'll be at the Care Connection room. We have some resources for sale, although all of one of them was sold out this morning. So Richard, Henry and Richard Blackaby produced a really fine resource called Hearing God's Voice. And then the other two are just two different versions of a daily devotional by Chris Tigreen, which is outstanding. I've read through it a couple of times, a couple of years in a row. It's a wonderful tool on hearing his voice. And there are none of these available, but there will be next week. But they were all taken this morning, so. Father, we ask you to speak. Speak clearly. Lord, some of us are hard of hearing. Some of us are distracted. Some of us are fearful. And Lord, we know that you know how to penetrate whatever obstacles are in the way of us hearing your voice, understanding your words, and responding as you want us to. So reach us, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for coming. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. One way you can grow in your faith is to journal as you study. This week, write out the verses that are impactful to you and a note to say why they are. In the coming weeks, reflect on these verses and see how God has moved in your life. Coming up in next week's episode, we'll continue the series Hearing God with a message titled Recognizing God's Voice. To prepare, read John 10, 1 through 16. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast. And if you like what you hear, leave a review so that others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. Thanks for listening and have a great week.